0: Hello, welcome to Talking City, the Manchester City podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm Rich Fay. I'm delighted to say I'm joined again by Stu Brennan. Hello, <laughs> and by Ian Cheeseman. You're right. Premier League champions were back at it again on the weekend. Dismantled Swansea at the Etihad, five nil, emphatic performance of champions. What did you both make of that game? It was a real party atmosphere at the Etihad, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, it was brilliant. I wasn't, I wasn't really expecting that. I thought there might be a dropping level because you know the they had the joy of winning the title earlier in the week, they've been out partying, and it's just human nature normally to to let it drop a little bit. Um, But they obviously decided, well, we're champions, we want to go out and play like champions. They they didn't win it on the pitch, so they had to go out and put on a performance that showed the country, well, this is exactly why we are the champions. And and they did exactly that, I thought they they were absolutely brilliant again.
2: Pep said uh, some stuff in the pre-match press conference didn't he about the the way to judge his team is how they react now to being the champions Mm -hmm. and what happens in the final five games and Clearly, lots of people within that squad and the coach are looking forward to next season and wanting to maintain that. So, to me, it it showed the performance against Swansea that they're getting the mentality right, Um, or or at least it indicates that. I mean, there's a little bit of me, I can't deny, in the back of my mind that was thinking, are Swansea just terrible? I mean, that's not to take anything away from City because I thought they were superb. and, And obviously, the movement that... Probably the, the goal that Raheem Sterling scored illustrates as much as anything, which is sensational. Again, and the temptation is that when the opposition are so easily dismissed that you think, oh, they're just you know, garbage, they just haven't got motivation. But this is a Swansea side that are fighting for their lives in theory. Mm. I mean, I know they look as if they're probably safe, but they're not safe. Um, now, whether or not, again, the way that football is going, that teams in mid-table or lower table... And I heard somebody say just recently that there used to be a group of six at the top, another group of maybe about ten in the middle, and about I don't know how many of that leaves, but four. you know, <laughs> four is it? Well, yeah. you know what I mean. Three, yeah. three pockets really, three yeah. groups of teams, and that now it's just two. You know, there are the six, and then everybody else effectively is in the relegation battle. Now you might say that's a bit uh, disingenuous against a team like Burnley, who've had a great season. Uh, but but I get that you know because Burnley next season you know could could be involved in a relegation battle yeah. I mean you know they are on the cusp of it whereas there are those six perhaps seven maybe at the top who aren't and Swansea are one of those teams obviously in the battle and do do the teams now in that other section look at city look at united look at Arsenal Perhaps they're the question mark in this, mm. but Tottenham okay. and Liverpool, etc., and go. No, those are the games we don't get the points from. Our battle is with everybody else. It started when Mick McCarthy did it for Wolves. I remember a game. I can't remember who they were playing. It might have been United, but he f- he made ten he made changes. It was Old Trafford he made. Was it made Old Trafford? Yeah. yeah, and, and he, he made a bigger ten. Game next week, I think against ex- like And He more or less admitted, didn't he? Which yeah. is typical of Mick McCarthy because he's. I that, think he got you charged know, by the FA as well, didn't they? I think for having uh, yeah. a weaker team and. Whereas these days they wouldn't get charged for it, would they? Yeah. you know because the rules sort of have changed. But blunt-speaking Yorkshireman, Stroke Irishman yeah. Mick McCarthy <laughs> says it as it is, and you just wonder: the Swansea come to City thinking this is the No Win game. We've got three games to go, whatever it is after this. Those are the ones we've got to target. Oh, was City just brilliant? They were brilliant. I think it's sorry to frustrate you, it's involved, but it's
0: sort of testament to how good City are because. Swansea have beat Arsenal and they beat Liverpool since the turn of the year so they, they obviously can go into these games and they, they know that they can win but when, they were, C- when they were facing when they City they knew there's, there's only one way they can sort of approach it's just let City have the ball it's interesting how Newcastle approached when that like came back in December when they just sat back even yeah, Chelsea. Chelsea, did. Chelsea did Chelsea did it yeah. yeah. yeah and they should... just let City play because they knew the best they can do is damage limitations maybe get a draw if they're lucky but I think it, I think the fact that Swansea have beaten Arsenal recently as well and when City came to town they just know we're going to lose here. Let's try and keep it as, as low as possible. And five nil looks really comfortable for City. But if you had a wear up top yesterday, mm-hmm. it could have been seven or eight probably. But, yeah,
1: but you, you look at next season. If City start next season the way they played this season, you are going to get that. Teams yeah. are just going to. You're you talking about the top six being looked upon as no win games. I don't think so. I think it'll be a top one looked upon. Teams will look at City and think yeah. we're not going to get anything out of them. We, we might as well not bother. You know, you get that feeling, <coughs> with Swansea. You got the feeling, we spoke to the manager afterwards and uh, one of his staff had handed him mm-hmm. a little piece of paper on which he'd written down all the teams that City had scored four goals or more against this season. Now, whether that was to make him feel better uh, at losing 5-0 or what, I don't know, but he, he said, you know, he was looking at the, looking. At, I think it was who City had scored four or more against and it was like Napoli were on there and Liverpool were on there, yeah. were on there and Tottenham were on there. You know, and it, it it is getting to the point where teams are just thinking, well, there's no point. We, we know what they're going to do to us. Uh, so if we can just sit in and maybe lose one or two nil, that's a result. But you wouldn't do that. Teams won't do that going to Old Trafford. You know, you go to Old Trafford, you fancy a result. You know, you, if you're Swansea or Stoke or anybody, you'd West, fancy, West Brom, obviously, <laughs> you'd fancy going to Old Trafford and getting a result. I mean, when, when City have dropped points, you drop, I mean, that nil nil at Crystal Palace is the first one that springs to mind for me because it ended the run. But when that happened, it was about City missing chances and the City dropping the level a little bit. It wasn't about mm. the other team coming out and, and negating what the City do. It was about City's failings rather than yeah. the the team sort of getting one up on them. So I, I think if City start strongly next season, there was a little feel. I mean, you're old and, old enough to remember as I do, Ian, Liverpool had a spell when they were like that. People just knew. Yeah. They weren't going to beat Liverpool, and you just—they just used to go and roll over. You know, they go to Anfield, see that this is Anfield sign, and pretty much give up. Um it was and like that Old Trafford for a while. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was. I mean, pr- perhaps less so than Liverpool, I think. But, but yeah, they, they, there's that that factor, that fear factor comes into it, and City have definitely got that. You know, they—they're just so difficult to play against that Team teams are giving up before they've even started.
0: I think also interesting them um, yesterday at Swansea five different goal scorers and this is without Aguero in the team again that I've mentioned Sane on the bench uh, to the the leading scorers the so the goals were all across the pitch they stereotypically say that's what the side champions is but really shows just the confidence and the commitment from every player in that squad they all so hungry to be involved with
1: yeah. well, Edison funny. wants one now he's, yeah he's, <laughs> and the fans want him to get over the great I can't imagine Pep sort of. Say if they're six nil up and it's the last minute, I still can't imagine Pep saying, "Yeah, let Edison <laughs> take it," because he likes to be so respectful to the opposition yeah. and to his own players. You know, he'll want one of his strikers to to to, to do it to, yeah. for the confidence, or whatever. But it'd be great, wouldn't it? With all if, love if to have a, have a shot, I'd like. Well, I like, like seeing Benwin in the top corner from thirty yards or something from a <laughs> just see him play
0: out outfield. To so the season would be a nice no yeah, it's, it's one of those dreams because he's taking the
1: Mick, whoever the opposition are. It's taking the and they're all, you know, they're all all pretty much in it, yeah. aren't they? You know, they're, they're all they've all got things to play for, so you can't, you know, if you're, you're just Southampton, you yeah. He's struggling to uh, to stay up, and then they, they play Edison at left back. You he wouldn't be happy, would he?
2: Uh, Southampton could be down on the last day. That can't be the one time when you could justify it. If Southampton well isn't that rubbing relegate... the noses of it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is how bad you are, Southampton. We're playing our keeper at centre forward. We're still <laughs> yeah. we no, I think the only way it would happen is if he took a penalty. Yeah, you think? yeah you know, yeah, So yeah. five minutes to go at Southampton. They've they've got relegated the game before. City are winning three 0 and you get a penalty. That's the time to give it to them, isn't it? Maybe, but but Maybe. I, yeah, the disrespect thing. It's interesting the point you make though, Rich, about the, the different goal scorers because you're gonna. Uh, I know you we know, obviously we know what the topics are going to be in yeah. this podcast, and one of them is going to be um, Salah versus De Bruyne, yeah. etc. And and. Because City are not dependent on any one player, and I know during the course of this season, I've had various debates with people talking about how crucial Fernandinho is. Um, obviously, when Aguero got injured, that could have been seen as a crucial one. There was the possibility that De Bruyne against Crystal mm-hmm. Palace was, was going to be out for Collins. a while. Maybe Sane as well. But any the point yeah. is, any individual that you talk about, you sort of go, could they do without him? And the truth is... That as much as all these players are valuable and are great players, City have proven that it isn't about any individual, that they can actually cope without any individual. They've done without Mendy all season, whatever. Whereas, if you look at Tottenham and Kane, if you look at Liverpool and Salah, and you think, if those two were missing for a period of time for, for those two clubs... They to me they would be massively affected. So it's all right to laud a Salah and 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 a Kane and, a mm-hmm. and say great players. Give them the trophy, Player of the Year. Which, of course, the strikers. So therefore, they get all the headlines because it's all about goals. So I'm going off in a slight tangent here by saying that sometimes the creative players, sometimes the the key defenders and the goalkeepers don't get the credit they deserve, but. Nevertheless, all the goals, not all, but a lot of the goals scored by Liverpool and by Tottenham are scored by Salah and Kane. City don't depend on it, you're right to highlight it, which is great because if you're the opponent, you don't just have one person that you have to prioritise to stop. And if you look at Kane's performances against City and then United in the semi-final... Of the FA Cup, he had very very quiet games. Now, is that because he's off form? Some people suggest that he hasn't recovered from a, an ankle injury completely, or is it just that the opponents look at him and go, "If we stop Kane today, Stopped we that. stop Tottenham." Which is it? Yeah,
0: well, I think what Pep Guardiola said earlier in the season—they called called them the Harry Kane team, didn't he? Yeah, and I'm
2: and that
1: was a sly little dig, wasn't yeah. it? But it's to... i am not sure it was. I think I'm not was, sure. I think, I, think... I, I don't think he was. I don't think he was having a, a go at Tottenham. I think he. I think he was just sort of labelling them, you know, as they've got this player who, who does great things, who scores goals for them, and, you know, I don't think he was saying they're a one-man team. But Pochettino
2: wouldn't have said, uh, City, they're the Kevin De Bruyne team, as good as he is. Mm. They wouldn't say, the, the, other, the other managers wouldn't say like that, would they?
0: Yeah, I, I think probably. that's because City have so much abundance of talent, like you said, though. De Bruyne drops out of the team, you've got Gundogan straight in there, again, there's still six attacking players that you've got to be wary of that can get goals from anywhere, whereas... Liverpool and Spurs are more sort of catered towards their man. they play around them and play to their strengths all the time whereas City have so many strengths that it's almost difficult to like you said to pinpoint that one man which is what makes them a better yeah. team
2: although of course the counter argument to that is that Barcelona have got Messi yeah. Real Madrid have got Ronaldo we all know that they're the two key players um, yeah. so, so I've just shot my own argument down really
1: I <laughs> mean that's been the beauty of City yeah. all season is that It hasn't been about scoring goals. You get the feeling that... I mean, Kevin De Bruyne has told us, and I I didn't quite believe him when he first said it, but he said that he enjoys laying a goal on more than he does scoring one. And I thought, yeah, of course you do, Kevin. (laughs) But since then, I I think he does. I think he does. And when you're laying laying goals on, you know... like I mean, he doesn't even get an assist. for This is the other thing, you see. People talk about, oh, Salah's got so many goals and so many assists. Kevin De Bruyne... Made that first goal on, yeah. on, on on Sunday, you know, he that ball with the outside of his foot, for Sterling was just just ridiculous, but it still didn't get the assist. Fair enough, because Sterling did very well, you know, uh, and Silva did well to finish it. But what you think? Well, what happens? Why? Where does De Bruyne get the yeah. credit? You know, he does not get a statistical credit. He gets a credit f- f- in, in every other way, but Salah just keeps, you know, he knocks one in from four yards, and everyone says, "Wow, what a player!" That's number forty-one for and I'm not knocking Salah I think he's been absolutely phenomenal and I think he's a great player and I think he could get even better Um, but what De Bruyne does is deeper and it's more effective and it's more telling and it's been more telling on the course of the season you know you look at the season as a whole Kevin De Bruyne has been the driving force behind this Manchester City team that has swept all before it and has been far and away the best team in, in that league and yet most Salah as an individual, and I get it. It's an individual award, but like you say, he stands out because he's he is the best player in that team yeah. by some some distance. Whereas De Bruyne isn't. Yeah. You know, for me, De Bruyne might not even get City's Player of the Year. <laughs> which be, you know, <laughs> he, he could he should have won the PFA Player of the Year. But if he didn't win the City's Player of the Year, you wouldn't be surprised, and you wouldn't get people arguing with no, it no, either. You know, he's, he's, he's
0: ludicrous. I think it's interesting what you said about De Bruyne, not always getting the credit he does. I think it's something that's sort of, we've done David Silver a disservice over the last few years as well, is just how he, almost every attack coming through him at some point, but because he doesn't get the direct assist, his numbers don't always tally up to someone like maybe Mesut Ozil or someone. Well, yeah, 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 sorry.
2: Yeah. At his peak, this, I always used to say, yeah. it, you, you absolutely bang on to, to illustrate that goal. Uh, the silver goal by saying Brawn was the pass before the assist, and I've always said that Yaya Torre, for all that he's remembered for the, the the you know the absolute blistering run to one or the other pitch and welling them in, that's not what I as much as those are, those are fantastic. That's not what I remember him for.
1: Yesterday he, he created that fantastic goal for Gabriel
2: Jesus with that floated ball out Beautiful. that not many players could have done. Mm-hmm. And that was an assist, because that will go down statistically as an assist. But how many times have, have we seen and certainly I appreciate it that pass of, of Yaya's being the De Bruyne pass, the one two before the end result, yeah, yeah. the defence splitter, you know, and mm-hmm. that, that to me is something that is completely underestimated. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and, and you know, and he has still got it actually. Yeah, yeah. He's just doing it at walking pace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was he was
1: top class when he came in on Sunday. He, he just rolled back the years, didn't he? Really, it was it was great to see.
0: Also, interesting what you said before. Um, we've sort of moved on to this De Bruyne sal debate now, haven't we? This it's an elephant in the room, maybe. Um, but interesting, um, De Bruyne scored the, such a good goal against. Swansea. um, his fifth from outside the box this season. He's the first player to score five from outside the box this season. Again, sort of indicating that most of Salahs have come within the box which I haven't really realised. I thought he had scored six or seven or so from outside the box in the league that is. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, De Bruyne this season, like you said, maybe not City's best player but Clear indication for you both that he was the maybe <laughs> really
2: should have won the, the award. Isn't it a weird that that? that and, and I do agree with you, Stuart that he might not be City's best player. It's a debate to yeah. be had, but but surely by definition, if you're going to be nominated, yeah, then then that must mean that you are City's <laughs> best player, you know, in, in the eyes of other people. I mean, there's the, uh, uh, the uh, how do you square that circle? I agree. I mean, I, I think David Silva is a real contender yeah. to be City's player of the year. Mm. I, I think I, he yeah. makes such a fantastic play, uh, difference.
1: Um, I'm throwing Fernandinho in. Yeah, I'd, there, I'd, I'd who didn't even make the PFA team of the year. Yeah. I'm thinking, what the, what these what footballers, yeah. this is meant to be their trade. What are they watching? What are they watching? If they think Christian... Christian Eriksen's a great player. Oh, it's He's brilliant. a fine, fine player. and I, I, I love him to bits. But if, if you're a Premier League manager and you get offered Fernandinho for a season or you get Eriksen for a season... I, I wrote this this week. I said that you know, fifteen or sixteen out of the twenty Premier League managers would pick Fernandinho, and the other four deserve sacking <laughs> because he's just he's just sort of a complete all round player. Yeah. You know, Eriksson's great at, at, you know he's a great passer, and you, we, we saw he played really well against United in the semi final. Uh, he's a great passer, and everything goes through him. But Fernandinho does that as well, plus two or three other traits in, in his you know two or three strengths in his locker. That Ericsson hasn't got, and he's been so important. We're talking about De Bruyne and Silva quite rightly, but Fernandinho has been the third part of that, and he's been every bit as important this season as De Bruyne and Silva. But like we say, he doesn't get the assists. He doesn't get. He doesn't even get the second or third pass or whatever. But everything goes through him. He stepped into that Yaya role, and he for me he does it better than Yaya. He doesn't do what Yaya did in terms of winning big games and. Like you say, storming forward and putting the top. He, does, he has done that. He has scored some, a couple of great goals this season. Um, but in terms of everything going through him and being the heartbeat of the team, the one who gives it the rhythm uh, and the fluency that it has, Fernandinho has, has been absolutely top class. I think he's been superb. For him not to be in the PFA team of the year is scandalous. I wouldn't disagree with you. Um, I think the three of
2: them, De Bruyne, Silva, and Fernandinho, I find almost impossible to split. Um, The only thing I would say was, I think Christian Eriksen personally is Tottenham's best player. I think he's better than Kane, he's better than Ali, even though they get all applauded. To me, he is the heartbeat of the the Tottenham Hotspur side. I would have him in a heartbeat at City. He's still young enough to be you know, to be a player who's got a future ahead of him. I think he's in his mid-twenties. he He's got 26 or 27. Yeah, or so he's perfect, perfect um, um, sort of age for that. Um, I would have found, if I'd have been picking the PFA Team of the Year, a place for Ericsson and Fernandinho. <laughs> That's the only place <laughs> I would disagree with you. I wouldn't pick one or the other. I'd, I'd have left somebody else out instead. Because Ericsson, I just... Love him to bits. No, no. It's
0: interesting what you said there as well. Um, that in terms of the team that Aguero got in, in front of some some of the City's other attackers, and that um, it's great to see Leroy Sane win young player of the year, but lots of City fans are
2: say maybe Raheem Sterling has had a better season. Oh, Sterling for me. I mean, Sterling had a great game um, yesterday. Uh, I think that's his, the best game I've seen him play for City. I honestly, I thought his movement, his link-up play, his flicks, his awareness. Really, really good He's, he's a player who's, who's improving Um, You can see it week by week Whether that's all down to confidence Whether it's down to Pep Guardiola, I don't know But I can see the improvement And the, the development We have a mutual friend, Stuart and I Who's not the biggest of uh, Raheem Sterling fans um, himself, and I, and I wonder whether he will now change his mind. Knowing him as I do, no, he won't. He won't. No, but, <laughs> but I can see, I can see a huge improvement in in Raheem Sterling. But I still think that Sane, even though both players, Sterling and Sane, have levels of inconsistency due to perhaps their age, I still think Sane has been the one I would have picked out um, for that award. So I'd agree with that award.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything to choose between them. so so different in the way they go at the game. Yeah. Um I mean I I as somebody who used to play full back in junior football, uh, I always look at wingers and I always sort of think which kind of winger would I rather play against? And I think Sterling would have been my worst nightmare because he, it's the old thing about nobody knows what he's gonna do, he's yeah. he's not I'm got a clue what it, with Sana, you, you can predict it. You yeah, can predict point, it to now. an extent. You can't stop, him, it, stop yeah. it, but he, you, <laughs> you know, know, what, it, he's but on, you know yeah, what he's yeah. going to do, and you, you can sort of do something about it to an extent. But Sterling's just just sort of, I think, haphazard was the word, wasn't it? I've, I've sort of used this, this season frequently about Sterling. He's, he's just sort of helter skelter. He's all over the place, and he, you don't. Is he going left? Is he going right? Is he going to miscontrol it? Is he going to slice it into the crowd? Is he going to put it in the top corner? And. He, you know, he's, I love it. I love watching players like that because it's like he's sort of teetering on the brink of being out yeah. of control. And <laughs> and when it goes wrong, he looks terrible because he'll shin one, he'll shim one. You know, like he did at Burnley, where he he sort of sliced yeah, it wide it was... from the yard out. But then he'll do what he what the he ball, did yeah. did against, was it Southampton, against where Southampton, where he killed it to way. the top corner. You know, so that unpredictability is, is just brilliant and it, it, it's one of the things that you love about football and Sterling is an embodiment of that but like you say I, I can I see you can see the rough edges getting knocked off him and he's getting more and more un, there's more and more control about what he's doing and more he's getting more predictable if you like but in a good way in that you you know he's getting more predictable that he is going to get the shot on target he is going to get the cross right he is going to pick the right pass and that kind of thing and uh, you know, if he's improving like that, Sarney's improving. This, this is what's frightening. This this City team are young and they are still improving. Jesus is another one. They're getting better. Edison's getting better. They're getting better and better. You think, well, if they're getting better, where are they going to be? <laughs> you know, obviously, the, the the other side of that is that Silva's going to be a year older. Uh, so they start losing him and Aguero's going to be a year older. Um, but when you've got Bernardo Silva coming through and the way he's playing precisely. at the moment, you think. And Phil Foden.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: and they're going, to, they're going to add to the squad obviously yeah. in the summer as well also.
2: interesting what you say there
0: as well uh, it, going into the summer w- which young player would want to sign for City now as well when you've seen just how far they've developed under Pep Guardiola, how how much trust he has in his squad as well um, interesting couple of points you made there as well about the ageing squad um, I guess the game against Swansea did give us a chance to see some of the, the youngsters come through we saw Jesus up front who had a he had a difficult game, missed a couple of chances, missed the penalty, but did score a really good header towards the end. Um, I was saying um, I was working with Simon Baikowski Bajkowski, Baikowski we call him. <laughs>
2: that's not what I call it. No, that's not something what different. I call it. We don't want to use that beat, <laughs> the beat machine again. But
0: um, we, I was saying um if he had Aguero up against Swansea he might have got a hat trick for with the chances that Jesus missed. Um what do you think of you G- well, you Jesus we call him? Sorry Jesus. I know, I know he's <laughs> I pronounced it wrong, but his, his season i he's, mean he 's got, got a lot of goals, but glass half full or well I'm,
2: my glass is half full definitely because he 's a, he's a talent, and he, you don 't get into brazil 's team as, as the lead striker and Brazil are <laughs> the favorites for the World Cup, and that, that that tag might not fit them in the end, but that 's where we stand at the moment and you don 't get into that team you not in, actually you don 't get into city 's team at the moment yeah. without being brilliant, and we all you know obviously can see that that Pep knows what he 's doing. He's still got a few rough edges to go. Um, you know, a year ago, Raheem Sterling, I wasn't as sure as I am now. So may, although I'm not sure about Gabriel Jesus at the moment, maybe in another year yeah. on from now, I will be, and I'll be saying, well, you know, shows what I know. I'm not saying he's terrible by any means. He's he's a very good player. And his, his movement and his hard hard work, but he still needs to learn to finish. That, that's the thing that seems to be missing from his game. But I can see City. I mean, one of the rumors that started recently has been um, Kylian Mbappe coming in in the summer because he he's obviously spent a season on loan from Monaco to Paris Saint Germain. Um, they're going to have to pay that enormous fee very soon, and I don't know how true it is. You guys probably know better than me because I'm not a, you know, working in that side of journalism at the moment. You know, but the rumors seem to be that. Uh, might be a problem with Paris Saint-Germain laying that money out and that maybe City could be one of the teams that could come in and they were interested in him before he went to Paris Saint-Germain, he's absolutely the right age, Um, he obviously has two former teammates at City, in uh, in Mendy and uh, and Bernardo Silva, Um, it feels as if he might be a bit of a Pep Guardiola player, a player that can be moulded. Um, so I wonder if that might be something that will happen, but I mean, that's just me wildly speculating,
1: really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's wildly speculating. There's nothing to suggest. I mean, the deal is done. Um, PSG. It's just whether they, they, you know, UEFA are looking at them for financial fair play. If they fall foul of that, they might be up in the air again. But uh, I don't think City will be putting any any eggs in that particular basket. Uh, just going back to Jesus, I just feel with him, he's a young player. Everything has gone his way since since he stepped into the first team at Palmeiras. He started scoring goals. Everyone was raving about him. Uh, he was the main man as Palmeiras won the, the Brazilian title. He was a big hero to their fans. He then goes into the Brazil 23 team, wins an Olympic gold medal on his own, yeah. p- own patch. Uh, he big pals with Neymar. Everything's going great. He steps into the Brazil senior team, scores scores goals. He scores, he's got about eight goals in ten games or something yeah, like that. The you know. Everything was going right for him. Then he came to City, had a brilliant start at City, everyone was raving about him. Wow City have found another huge talent here. Um and then he uh he gets injured and he's out of the team. And then he, he comes back at the end of the season again, does well into the next season, injured again. and he's having setbacks. You know, these are setbacks. He, he he didn't play very well at the start of the season. Uh, then he got the injury, he, and he's he's not reacting particularly well to the setbacks. And I just think that's what it is. Mm. He's he's finally re- learning that in football, there's another side to it. Things things that it's not all cake and and wine and roses. You know, it's uh, there is a side to uh, notice I'll put cake first in there. Yeah, which is crazy <laughs> we, we enjoy a lot on the away trips. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so you know. It, suddenly he's been knocked back and he's had to he's had to start again if you like and, and come good and he's got to prove he's, he's fit to be in the team and I think that's what he's doing I think you get that with young players every young player plateaus at some point you don't get a young player who just hits a, an upward curve and just keeps going you know they'll have a plateau and that's when they learn that's when they'll learn more than you know and Pepple Pep knows that and he'll be taking him to one side and, and having a word in his head. and I don't think he's been that bad. I mean the fact that he's carried on scoring goals tells you something, uh, and I thought he I thought he did all right yesterday. Uh, I thought some of, some of his movement and some of his touches and his, his sort of link up play was good. He scored a good goal. It's a shame that the penalty didn't go in, uh, but, but there you have it. You know, Maguero misses penalties as well, doesn't it? Um, but I I I think he's I think he's a top talent. And I, I, he's got rough edges, as we say, we, uh, we we're talking about with Sterling and Sane. Uh, if he does not lower his rough edges up, I think he'll be a, a supreme international star
0: yeah it's interesting as well uh, what you said there about how he drifts out wide finds his pockets of space brings others into the game he's more than just a goal scoring threat like Aguero is Aguero is just a goal scorer by trade whereas Jesus is Maybe a new sort of generation of striker that does a bit more than just score goals. Not as lethal in front of goal, but. Well, brings... he, he's forced Aguero to do yeah. that as well. Aguero does a lot more of that. It's a that good now. competition they've got between each other, isn't it? Really? Healthy yeah, yeah, yeah. Pe-
1: Pe- Pepper's pretty much said to said to Aguero, but what he's doing, is this 90 yes. year old kid who's just taking your place. You need to do them more of that. And Aguero's risen to the challenge, to be fair to him. And he, he's become that player yeah. who, who, who drops deep and picks the ball up and, and plays people in as well. So yeah, I mean he's he's sort of he's had that effect on Aguero, and uh, you know the pair of them are rubbing off on each other, and that's great to see.
0: Another player who featured, the youngster um, Phil Foden came off the bench. I knew in earlier podcasts Jesus uh, you've said you, you you want to see the best from, him, but you're still not exactly sure how good he's going to be. Um, were you
2: encouraged by his performance? There were a couple of little moments in the game. I mean it was only 15 minutes yeah. or so. There was one little run that he did, and that cross to the back post that was just top class. Um, there's no doubt he's got energy and he's got um, you know he's got commitment and and you know he, he looks looks as if he's not overawed by it, um, but you've got to see him play in games and influence games and sometimes it feels to me as if he's he's coming on and, and holding his own. But well, he's not actually changing the game mm-hmm. or influencing the game. Now that was an exception. That that, and if we see more of that type of thing in games as we go along, then yeah. I'll absolutely be convinced because he was he was top quality. Um, maybe maybe he needs to score a goal somewhere that takes him to another level. Um, still seems physically very small, but then. <laughs> You know Lionel Messi is pretty small, isn't he? <laughs> maybe, maybe it's not so much the height; it's just a sort of bulking bulky, bulky a bit. Yeah, bit of maybe yeah, sun, yeah. the summer on the weights or something. And um... he's only seventeen, old so yeah, he's he's got one. I wish what you know a talent that is yeah, seventeen year old. Wow, I wish I was I'm playing for the again. Premier League champions. <laughs> yeah. I know what I know now, yeah. anyway. And I
0: guess what, <laughs> what you say then maybe he'd benefit from starting a game in Foden rather than coming on when the game's already won
2: and you're playing against opponents who are just sort of Sure, back. he will. I mean, yeah. I, I'm still, what's his position? I mean, I'm not
1: completely convinced of where he's going to play. Some people have said he's the new David Silver. Yeah, I think, I think, I think that's, his, that's yeah. his role. I mean, it's the hardest role on the pitch. I mean, Silver makes it look easy, but it's, it's the hardest position at City. You know, De Bruyne has got the. Got the advantage uh, that he, he gets the ball in space nearly all the time. He's driving forward. He's the man who gets picks the ball up and, and drives it forward in, into space that's already there. Silver nearly always gets the ball in with players around him, and that's that's to deal with it. And that's what and, we, and the fact that we saw Foden doing that, he's happy to do that. He's always done that since being a kid. You know, he's quite happy to get on the ball. He trusts himself. Uh, it was interesting. I've, I've just been writing a piece about it now that on much to the day. Um, Kevin Kilban and Julian Lescott talking about him. And they said exactly that. The, the thing that impresses them is the fact that his teammates trust him to have mm. the ball. They'll give him the ball in the same positions as they'll give David Silva the ball. They know David Silva will not will not lose that ball. And they trust Phil Foden to do the same. Yaya in particular, they've got a bit of an understanding. You got going all the way back to the the first time they played, if you remember out in, in Houston when United played City in that pre season friendly. And everyone was raving about Foden. It was Yaya who was looking for him all the time. He was pinging little balls into him. And he was turning one particular turn away from Herrera. Um, and the fact that his teammates trust him like that shows... He's, he's doing it in training as well. You know, And they know, yeah, we can give it him there. He's not a problem. We know he's good enough to deal with this. And that he's not always going to come off. But he, that's when his mentality comes in. If he's strong enough mentally to think, oh, well, it didn't come off that time, but it will next time. And I think I think we saw signs yesterday that he's, he's at that point, you know, because his recent performances, he's come on and he's tried things and they haven't worked, but he's carried on trying them. And yesterday, they did come off for him a little bit. And that's that's where you start to grow. I think that's what you... Now he's thinking, yeah, it didn't come off for me before, but this time it did. So next time, I'll, I'll, if I do it this way, and that, that's that's... That's progression. That's a progression, and he, you know, it's not. It's still not easy. He's still not made it by a long, long chalk, but he's getting there. There's still four
2: games to go. I'm, I'm sure what you're saying, Rich, about him starting games will happen. Don't yeah. you think? In one of yeah. these yeah, four him. games, and uh, no, and I'm I'm a bit of a fan of uh, Brahim Diaz as well, so yeah. I'd like to see him get a, you know some some time on the ball, maybe even start a game as well, yeah. just to see what he can do over a a longer period and in the team because you, what you don't want is City will go on pre-season and, and by definition because of the timing of the pre-season trip this year most of the first team players won't be there so you'll see a, t- a makeshift team in the nicest possible way and if Foden and Diaz are playing in that how do you really judge them mm-hmm. because they different types of games whereas these I know City's um, title race is over so in, in theory the last four games, from a city perspective, are friendly. So, You know, the, the non, the non jeopardy games. But still, their opposition, thankfully, have got something to fight for. So they are games that that still That's have an edge okay. to them. And so, if if these two players can be integrated into nine other what you call regular first team players, and maybe as it gets nearer to the end, De Bruyne and the rest, who are going to go to the World Cup, will start saying to Pep, you know, come on got world cup coming up here just you know can i just uh, play you know as as i suppose de bruyne did actually in that game against swansea he played about an hour didn't he you know that whether it be he comes on for half an hour de bruyne or he plays for an hour either way i'd love to see those two getting more proper game time in so called competitive games with good quality players around them and not a makeshift team uh, because I mean, Foden started the game at Shakhtar and yet didn't he? Yeah, um, well, like, wing back. back. Yeah. Both, yeah, first of all, he was out of position, and secondly, it was absolutely a dead rubber. Yeah. So you could only finish top of the group. So and so. and you know the the game. I mean, I was there, and the game just didn't feel like a normal game. And I want to see, I want to see a proper normal game yeah. with with players playing in it. That, that um, then, then we can start to to make a judgment. Interesting
0: as well. In these last
2: four games, you expect to see more from Benjamin Mendy. He made
0: his longer-awaited return. It's fantastic to see. Probably one of probably the loudest reception of the whole day. There was a standing ovation from everyone in the stadium as he came on to replace Fabian Delph. What did you make of Mendy's performance? I know it's difficult. There it was a few loose touches, but he looked fit and healthy and raring to go. Yeah, yeah I think people
1: people were people beyond me were saying. And what were they oh, expecting? Everyone's roaring for him coming and look at him. He's useless. He's been rubbish. But, you think he, He's been out for seven months. His touch is not going to be right, you know, to judge him on. And not only that, shortly after that, he then put in two really great crosses, which is like a big part of his game. But, you know, he's just about... The reason he put him on for the final 15 minutes is because City had won the game and they wanted to give him some minutes on the park. And that's how you get your touch back and that's how you get back up to speed. Um, so that's what it was all about. I mean, I, I must say that I thought it was a great, great reception for him, a great ovation. But part of that, I thought, was an appreciation of Fabian Delph as well. Yeah. Because I thought Delph was outstanding. Uh, I thought he was. He's, he's and really come on. season. It has well. he, been all like he, the has bar, been season. I think he's got better. But I thought yesterday was was one of his best games mm-hmm. as well. Um, I mean, I, I spoke to Mendy after the game, and uh, I asked him about that. I said, you know. What about getting your place back? And he started laughing. He said, "Yeah, I think I think Fabian's going <laughs> to take my place. I might not, I might not get it back again." And he uh, he was only half joking. Yeah, I think he was only half joking because for me, you know, Delph Delf is now being talked about as a left back, even though he, for me he could still do a job in midfield. He's he's good enough on the ball, but he, he's made such a success of that position that. Uh, you know, I think he's real competition. He's not just a standing, mm. and I don't think he'd be happy being a standing. I think that that Delph is now competition for Mendy, and he gives something different because he, you know, Mendy Mendy's all about Bombing getting up and down, and... Up, up and down that left wing. But if, if Pep wants a left back who cuts inside and and, and causes a, an overload in midfield, and uh, and he's able to play, you know, that's why delphi has been such a success in a lot of ways because he, he is a natural midfielder. When he goes inside, it's natural. You know, we saw last season Zabaleta and Clichy doing it. And Zabaleta is a very clever footballer, but it wasn't natural to them. You know, it's something they've never done before in yeah. their career. Whereas Delph is being asked to do something, he's being asked to move into a position where he feels completely comfortable because he's played there all his career. So he's just isn't. He's, he's become another option. I don't even think he's, he's deputy to Mendy anymore. I think he's, there are two now two left backs in Manchester City. Whether he's happy about that, we've not had <laughs> chance to speak to him. Properly about it, um, but I, that that's something I'm going to try and do before the end of the season. Just just call a Fabian and say, look, you know, how do you feel about this? Because <laughs> for me, if I was England manager, I'd play him at left back. It, it'd be different playing for England because England are going to be on the, the back foot, and it, it, that's different. It's different being left back in a team that's having to defend. City are on the front foot all the time, so. It's a different, it's a totally different role, but you know from what I've seen, Delph is as good as any left back in the Premier League.
0: Yeah, and you think think back to those big games, as well, like, I mean that pivotal win at Stamford Bridge early in the season was when Delphi I think, made his first start at left back, and he was so good in that game. He really mm. controlled the whole manner. It, and that was a pivotal win in City's eventual title success. Um, another player who started yesterday off the bench, we mentioned him before, Yaya. Fantastic to watch him doing that. He rolled back the years. Um, that assist was beautiful for Gabriel Jesus. Um, Four games left maybe for City fans to appreciate the talent they've got. The legend, Yaya Torre, where does he rank amongst City's greatest ever players? Well,
2: first of all, I'd, have, I'd say, and I'm sure City will get this absolutely right, because yeah. these days they, they get more right than they get wrong, and they gave Sabaleta a, a really great nice send-off. Set. The Brighton game, obviously the Huddersfield game, which is the next one, it's going to be the trophy presentation. The Brighton game, to me, has to be a celebration of Yaya Torre, and... Um, I know that Pep will want to pick his strongest team, and then it would be disrespectful. And Brighton have still got stuff to play for, but I'd love to think that Yaya Touré will actually start that game against Brighton, and that that will be his final home game in front of the City fans. I don't, I don't expect him to carry on beyond this season. Um, as far as I'm concerned, Yaya's right up there with any player that's ever played for the club. I grew up as a Colin Bell fan. I'm always going to be a Colin Bell fan. There were other players in that era that were magnificent as well. Mike Doyle, Francis Lee, Mike Summerby, Alan Oaks. I could virtually go through the whole team. Glyn Pardo. And they were just magnificent Tony Buckley, just <laughs> magnificent players. Nearly did go through the whole team, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, um, free and, and there have been great players in between that, that, um, that I've idolised and the fans have idolised and just loved watching. But in this modern era... Yaya to me represents the the change from being city of all and city now and what it, it, he was even though a lot of people talk about Rubinho as being the statement signing when the shake came in to me Yaya Touré was the 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 signing of him was the moment that you knew city had really arrived yeah. he was a serious signing he wasn't a you know statement signing, he was I a serious and and he no, he, he wasn't, and and he, he's just a magnificent footballer. And it seems that despite the fact that he's had a lot of pub, bad publicity, and and some there are some sections of City fans who perhaps have had their judgment of him slightly affected by his his agents, despite all that cake business and all that rubbish, the fact is that Yaya Torre himself has always said and done in my opinion anyway, the right things. Mm. And what he's done on the pitch has always been right. He has been a big game player. And yet he's never been... Um, it, it, look at me, look at me, look at me. He's always been a team player. You always get the feeling that the other players within the team hold massive respect for him. We talked about Phil Foden before. I suspect that there's a lot of behind the scenes mentoring done by somebody like Yaya Toure towards somebody like Phil Foden. And perhaps we saw it on the pitch in that game at Houston last year where... He's basically given the opportunity to say, "Come on, i I think you're good. I'm supporting you. I'm giving you the ball. Take it. Break. Take your confidence from me." Um, so, uh, you know, I, I just yes, we, we can we can argue about David Silver, uh, Aguero, uh, you know, and, and others now. De Bruyne, obviously, oh, you know, who is the key player? Who is the iconic player of this generation? And thank goodness, it's a bit like. I mean, I'm, I know it's not cool to say this, but I'm a big ABBA fan. What is my favourite ABBA record? Well, one day it might be that, another day it might be that. They used to say it about the Beatles, you know. Yeah. The, the way you judge the Beatles has been so great is because everybody has a different favourite song. This team, this era is so great because it has so many now of these great players. So we can sit and argue till we're blue in the face and people might might pick different players out. But Yaya Torre to me symbolises everything about the modern era of City. It's just such a shame that in the last couple of years he's just lost that yard or two of pace and that explosive charge that caught everybody's eyes so much. But to me he is just um you know an absolutely magnificent footballer. So I want the club to give him a good send-off I want the fans to give him a good send-off. I love the fact that the fans sing that Yaya okay. Torres song. I'm not talking about the Yaya Colo one, but oh, yeah. they're, they're yeah, paying more money, you know, that one, yeah. um, because it lifts everybody. When he was playing yesterday, they were all singing it in the crowd, and uh, I'm lucky enough to possess a Yaya match-worn shirt, which is one of the most prized possessions in my collection, and uh, I just think he's he's just a phenomenal... Uh, player and in, and I know people as well who there's there's a lad in the crowd who I talk to quite a lot who goes to the the, um, the mosque where he goes to and he says that he's an absolutely really humble you know modest lovely fella that's the side we never see mm-hmm. and I believe him I believe that that is Yaya's whole attitude and whenever I've talked to either him in the past or Kolo, and obviously the brothers. I've always got the right, you know, fantastic vibe from them, make, them yeah, as well. People.
1: Yeah, um, yeah I, I'd go along with it. I mean, I've, I've spoken to I R many times down the years. He doesn't do it now, but I always used to get a big bear hug from him. And, he, you know, high fives and everything. And he, he's, just, he's just a big, ambling, amiable bear off the field, isn't he? You know, he's he always he's always smiling and, you know, he just, just looks like he's going for a stroll. He looks like that on the pitch all yeah, the time. Like look he's so easy, he looks like he's having a country stroll, but then, then he'll do something phenomenal. I, th- I think the best way I've ever heard it put was by a City fan who, uh, when 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 we played at Bournemouth, when City played at Bournemouth last season, uh, and I was down there, and after the game, we were staying over, and I went for a drink, and I, I met, he's like a mutual, he's a friend of a friend, uh, and I was on a drink with him in the bar, and he he said that Yaya Toure is the greatest City player in. In, in the club's history as far as he's concerned but David Silver is the best player and I thought that was a perfect way of putting it yeah. you know David Silver because of the consistency he brings but Yaya is the one who in the big moments has stepped forward and produced you know he's come up with something and I, I, I think that, that sums him up um, I think the club is going to be um, poorer for his going and talk about I mean the fans who talk about his agent and. You got to remember that. Yeah, I mean, even that is is a is a strange situation because I've spoken to people who are quite close to Yaya, and the reason he's stuck by that agent is because when he was a kid, he moved. You've got to think this is a lad coming out of Africa and going coming to Europe. Uh, he doesn't know anybody. Uh, he doesn't. You know. He Is he being exploited? Is he whatever? He ended up at Metalurh Donetsk. Um, and Dimitri Selleck was, I think he was a director or he was a club official of some kind. And Dimitri Selleck took this, I think he was about 19 yeah at the time, he took him under his wing, he invited him to his family home, he, he was feeding him, he was looking after him. Now, whatever you, you think, his your motivation might have been, he th- might have been thinking, this lad's going to be great and I'll, I'll, I'll get me hooks into him. But whatever the motivation, if you're a 19-year-old boy and you're a long way from home and you don't know anybody and it's freezing cold and you don't know... You know, and somebody is is not, looks after you in that manner. Well, if if you're from the kind of culture that Yaya's from, you don't forget that, and that's what that's that's the way it's been portrayed to me. That Yaya's I always remembered the way Dimitri Saluk treated him in those early days and looked after him. He took him on as his agent, and we all know that he, as an agent, he's a complete car crash. You know, he's he's dropped Yaya in it so many times, um, but. I've also spoken to people at City about it. I mean, I'm talking about right at the top. Um, I've spoken to the chairman, I've spoken to the chief executive about that relationship. And they're always laughing it off and they say, they see. they've always seen Yaya and his agent as two separate entities. And dealing with the agent is a complete nightmare because, you know, we know what he is. But dealing with Yaya is different again. He's so professional, he's so polite and courteous. You know, he doesn't go around moaning about not getting birthday cakes. That's just something that Salop came up with. And he said, if you watch him in training, he's always at the front of the runs. He trains harder than anybody else. I mean, I don't know if that's still the case now, uh, but this this is going back like 18 months, two years ago. He was still training harder than everybody else. And they said, we see them as two separate entities. You know, and perhaps that's the way the fans should see it. He's got an agent, but I've, I've, I've gone over the reasons why he's so loyal to that agent. The fans are saying he should get rid of him, but there are good reasons why he hasn't got rid of him. And, for me, that says a lot about Yaya's character, the fact that he's loyal. He's loyal. Um, loyal to somebody who perhaps at times has, uh, didn't deserve that loyalty, but nevertheless, in his head, this is someone who looked after him, and there we have it. And if, if you're divorced to two, and you just look at Yaya, I mean, the, the man that I've known and the footballer I've been watching, absolutely legendary and a, a good man, a great footballer, and like you say, he needs to have a proper send-off and I hope City do get it right.
0: Yeah, so, oh, it's a good point to end on, but there is one more point and it would be nice for him, well, to see him as much as we can before the end of the season, but that chance on Sunday against West Ham, the London Stadium, would be a nice trip to London for you both, I'm sure. Um, the team selection more of the same from Pep Guardiola, the strongest 11 possible with Youngsters off the bench, do you think? I think
2: he owes it to uh, the other teams that are in this relegation fight to suddenly not do, when I say stupid things... I certainly don't mean that disrespectfully, but to suddenly do wholesale changes. Mm-hmm. If City were playing, uh, I don't know, even if they were playing West Brom, ironically, who were effectively down, you could justify it a little bit more. Um, but the, the playing teams are right in the thick of it, which I'm really glad about, actually, because you know I love watching football matches. I'm going to be going all the way to West Ham. I'm going to be not all not the way to Southampton. I don't want to see meaningless uh, games. I'd much rather watch a, a proper game. So... Yeah, put yourself in the, the other way around. If you were, if you were a you know a Crystal Palace fan, and you saw City putting out a weak team against West Ham, you'd be furious. So put out a strong team. Yes, there might be room for um, Foden to start or Diaz to start, or certainly for the two of them to have another half hour each. Um, but I wouldn't just make wholesale changes and you know suddenly. And again, this sounds disrespectful to him, but if, you know, if you suddenly started picking Bravo for two or three games, and you started to to to, to make these wholesale changes, that's when I'd feel a bit uncomfortable. And anyway, all these records are there to be broken, yeah. you know. And City so fans close. keep saying to me, "Oh, we want to win all these, you know, we want to get hundred points, we want to, you know, get the most most wins in a season, My most away scores. wins in a season." Well, yeah, great, go for it, and then then it's even harder to get those targets next year. And you know what Pep's like? I want to beat whatever we do this year, next year. Great, get 100 points and let's see you beat that next year. Perfect, isn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think they will keep playing strong teams because if, if you're those players, if you you come off the field yesterday and you want more, you want to go out and do that again. Okay. You know, you get to next Friday, Saturday, you'll be champing at the bit. I want to get out there and do that again. Because it's... You know, great, I play. I play I yeah. football at a much lower level, but when you when you've had a good game, you can't wait for the next game, can you? You know, it's not like you're thinking, oh, I've got to play again next Sunday. You know, no, You know, you, you want to get out and, and do it all over again. And they've only got. They've, I mean, they got Brighton midweek, but it's it's one game a week now till the end of the season. So. Just, just keep, keep playing it. Obviously, you make little tweaks. Like I think Sane should come in. Yeah. And maybe Daniela's not a Walker,
0: didn't, he so, they walk, didn't he? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Bring Walker back in. You know, yeah. uh, maybe. But there are players who need games. I mean, Jesus is, mm-hmm. is a good case in point. Bernardo Silva hasn't played all season. I don't think it'll harm him to to, to get a few games together. What was the deal uh, with Gund- yesterday? By the way, is, was
2: he injured? Or? Yeah, he's injured. Yeah, right. yeah is, he's, is he's he likely, Is he could he be available next week?
1: <laughs> I don't know I, until until we, we speak to Pat later in the week. Uh, we'll find out. Yeah, yeah Fernandinho will come back
2: in Brazil. Fernandinho, yeah.
1: Well, he's he's been suspended for two games, so it's only fair he, he comes back in. But he's a player who has needed rest at this time of the season in the past. And I, I think it'd be worth. I, I suspect that Pep will sit down with Fernandinho and say, "How are you feeling?" Because you've got the World Cup coming up. If you want to, if you want to, just be used sparingly in his last few games. But Fernandinho will have been sitting in the stand on Sunday, thinking, people. "Oh, look at the way they're playing. <laughs> I, I want to be. I want to be out there. I want to be out there." So you know, why not just go out and let them play? Let them play and just show the Premier League that they can do it. And, and if they do that, and, and Break all these records, well, even better.
0: Yeah, sounds like a. Can't Science wait, can't to, wait to get it. in the car, it's got to <laughs> <wear> it down. <laughs> be shooting off soon, um,
1: before you know it.
0: So, four games left for City to break that points record to end the season on that high. Maybe even that perfect farewell for Yaya Toure. Yeah. We shall see this time next week when you come back from that long trip to London <laughs> just how exciting it was. Another win, maybe, for City and they're not done yet, which is the exciting thing. The Premier League champions, hungry for more. Thank you very much, chaps, for joining us again today. Pleasure. I trust you'll both be back next
1: week. Yes, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> <laughs> so very confident yeah. about it,
2: Stuart. Because I'll be back, I'll be back. You can promise. Yeah, I'll, I'll be. Well, you know, as long as I don't get knocked down by a bus, but I'll be back.
0: That's why lads to here. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ian. Thank you very much, Stu. Make sure to subscribe to Talking City on iTunes and Audioboo. And we'll be back next week to discuss all the talking points about the Premier League champions.